Hello and welcome to the 12 cast. My name is Jake Kirchner, co-author of Just 12 and creative catalyst at the Just 12 app. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, the Just 12 app is a community of followers of Jesus that are striving to prioritize and love 12 others like Jesus did. And we believe in our envisioning a future where everyone is in someone's 12. So if you download the app, you can check out some of the basic trainings, have a place to record prayer requests for your 12. If you're just starting off with your, your 12 in this journey, maybe you're just listening to this podcast for the first time, you're like, I don't know 100% what you're talking about. Download the app. It's free. Uh, it's also going to give you a place to ask questions. We're going to have a Q&R session in one of these podcasts coming up. So ask questions. If you want to share your story of, of your tw just 12 journey, maybe you have some cool stories about some of the people in your 12. We'd love to be able to put you on a, a schedule to potentially interview you on the podcast. And really, it's a place, too, that we are trying to build community, a, a location where you're going to be equipped and encouraged uh, to continue on this journey together. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you. Love to have you be a part of downloading that app. You know, recently, my softball, recently, recently, my daughter joined softball. And it reminded me of the last time I played community rec softball. It wasn't a super competitive league. I got invited into it. I never really played softball. It had been years since I had played baseball. But I was encouraged that somebody asked me because I was apparently still you know, young enough and athletic enough that they thought I could contribute to the team. And so I wasn't looking to impress anybody, but I wanted to do a good job. wanted to help the team win. Uh, again, it's just community rec. It, it, there's no big trophies for anybody. But you know, people can get pretty serious about you know, rec softball. Now, I remember on this particular game, it was must have been late summer because the, the it had gotten a little darker. They had these great lights on this field. The, the field was beautiful, uh, such pristine green grass, super well-kept and cut. And I remember playing out in the outfield, and, and this other team we were playing against it would hit a lot of balls into the outfield. Some of them would go over the fence. Some of them were home runs that, that got multiple runs. And, and so we wanted to, to try to beat this team or at least stay uh, competitive with them and I remember after having one home run go over my head and over the fence, I thought, okay, I, I got to remember this hitter. I'm going to try to catch one of these balls. And so I had cheated over away from the third baseline towards the center field and thought, okay, they've been hitting a lot right here. I'm going to catch one of them. And this one batter, their best batter got up and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm ready. And he hit it right between me and the third baseline. And, and, and there was this chance that I could, I could go after it. And, and like I said, I was, I was young enough to still think I could be athletic and not quite old enough to, to know better. And as I was running, I was doing these calculations like, okay, I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm not as fast as I used to be. I'm not as strong as I used to be, but I think I could still make this play. And, and, and I'm doing the calculations. If I got to jump here, I, I can maybe run and do this. And I thought, well, I'm not going to catch it on a fly, but I can catch it on a bounce, make a quick play and turn this thing around. And, and as I was running, sprinting, I went to take a, a, a diving leap. And as I did, almost as soon as I did, I heard a snap, snap, one right after the other. Now, I don't know if when you pull muscles, there's actually snaps. I hear a lot of people say, I heard a snap. I doubt anybody else could hear it. But whatever that thing that ripped or tore, whatever was going on inside my body, it must have reverberated because I swear I heard snap, snap, and I felt it right away. I mean, I felt this pain just shoot down my leg, my left first, then my right. And I don't remember what happened much after that. I mean, I know I didn't make the play and I got up and I fumbled towards the ball, tried to throw it in. And, and as soon as I did, I just, I just grabbed both 
of the backs of my legs. Both hamstrings had been pulled, and I just wobbled back to the dugout. Now, I'm sure I tried to ice it and get back out there. There was no way I was going to be able to keep playing. And so I asked one of my friends who was a, a trainer. I asked them to... <coughs> And so I asked one of my friends who was a trainer what I could do. And they, they recommended this physical therapist who was a, a physical therapist. Um, a, a doctor of sports psychology had his PT degree, had all these different degrees. And, and, and this friend of ours said, uh, this, this guy is going to get you back up on your feet so quick. He works with professional athletes, you know, high level college athletes, high level high school athletes. And I was thinking, so why, why am I, am I going to them? I mean, I know my team needs me, but I don't think they need me that bad. But it was actually, it turned out it was going to be covered by insurance. And I thought, well, I don't want to be in pain anymore. Cause, cause honestly, I remember pulling muscles when I was younger, pulled a quadricep, pulled maybe a bicep shoulder muscle. I don't know. Muscles that when I pulled them, it hurt, but I thought not a big deal. I remember hearing people say they pulled their hamstrings and, and just kind of being big babies and whining about it a lot. And I thought, get over it. Then I pulled my hamstrings and it hurts. It was painful. And, and so I didn't want that pain anymore. I wanted to be able to function. I needed to get back for my team. And, and so I went to this, this therapist and, and I thought, okay, I'll explain what happened and they'll probably, you know, I'll ice it, I'll heat it, I'll do stretches, I'll do this, I'll do that. And he didn't really ask that many questions about what happened. He asked me a lot of other questions about other former injuries, if I had ever done this, if I'd ever done that. Other places that I felt pain before, he did an adjustment on my back, and then he said, "Okay, put your feet up on the table, take your shoes and socks off. Here's what I want you to do: take your your big the the the, the ball of your big toe, and pull it to to your heel. Just pull that. Just try to get that big the ball of your big toe towards your heel." I said, "Sure." Pulled, bet my toes, pulled that down, and got it. And he goes, "No, no, no, don't." Don't curl your toes. Don't bend your toes. Don't use your toes. You can only use the muscle that's between your, the, the ball of your big toe and your heel. And I looked and I said, well, there's, there's no muscle there. There's nothing there to do that with. You curl your toes. That's how you do it. And he said, no, try again. Some of you are like trying right now to, to do this. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, I said, no, no, this, this muscle doesn't exist. Keep trying. I, I sat there for like five minutes. I thought he's trying to trick me. He's trying to do some sports psychology thing to me. I, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And finally, I strained with all my brain, all my concentration, pretended like some magical force was running through my body and it was going to do this. And, and suddenly it did. It did move. Something in my brain relayed down and, and activated a muscle that had been latent that had had never been activated at least not activated for a really long time and he goes great now do, keep doing it and, and do it with your other foot and it, it took you know all this time and energy and effort and it hurt to do it it was actually hurting my feet to do this he said okay do that 10 times each i'll come check on you I did it he came back okay now here's your exercises you're gonna do this every day multiple times a day multiple sets multiple reps and then he had me leave i thought well what about my hamstrings and here's the thing. I got back on my feet within weeks. I mean, I was on my feet, but I like could run and I could sprint. I mean, within a few weeks, I was sprinting again. There was no pain in my hamstrings. And here's what I learned. Unaddressed deficiencies 
will eventually be debilitating. Eventually, it's going to lead to something debilitating. And there's this deficiency within our, our church models, within the ingrained followers of Jesus mindsets that have been debilitating. There's deficiencies that have been debilitating because nearly all of our efforts and focus and resources has been going to programs and, and, and productions and platforms that are building up and maintaining and preserving hyper-focused on the point where there maybe is some pain, points that we've experienced a little bit of pain, but we've ignored the underlying cause. And when I say we've been experiencing pain, it's no mystery. It's no surprise. We've seen it, that there's been communities of faith that have had generations torn from them. We've seen deeply connected and committed people feel a sudden snap of carrying the weight and the strain. We've seen devoted leaders left to limp along. And I get it. There's this strong muscle that we have, this muscle, whether you call it a gathering or an organization, you know, like uh, this organization that we call church that's really focused on the productions and the programs. It's been a strong muscle for decades. But it's not made to do the work that we know needs to be done, that we've known for years, perhaps decades, needs to be done. And we keep trying anyway. We keep pushing through and just trying. And, and now we've ended up with overused, limping along parts uh, of the body of Christ, the, the church. And we've left the, the, the missional engagement muscle unactivated. It's sat unused. It's, it's been sitting latent to the point that we're convinced maybe that it doesn't even work, that it doesn't even exist, that maybe that it's, it's not there anymore. Whatever it is, it doesn't feel like we can make it move. And so we go back to what we've always known. We, we think, we'll just put the same strategies and efforts and resources that we've been putting here and just hope it'll do something to this thing that we know is deficient. We'll just rehab it back to, to health and, and it'll work, right? But it, it isn't working. It's not going to activate this missional engagement muscle. I mean, more podcasts and more books not going to activate it. More, more Bible studies, more, more church attendance, it's not going to activate. More serving on teams, more donations, more, more massive events, more celebrity Christians, more packed stadiums isn't going to activate this muscle. More professional degrees, more training programs, more PhDs isn't going to activate it. And I get it. There's this mentality. and it, It's a mentality that maybe does work in other places. Maybe it works in personal development and, and professional development, even organizational development, that it's like you just shore up using your strength. You can shore up that weakness, right? We can take the thing that we're really good at and, and get the thing that we're not so good at to be at least become adequate. So it, it, it doesn't hurt anymore. So it's not deficient anymore, but it hasn't, it doesn't happen. It doesn't work. And we've been compensating for our deficiencies to our detriment and it's damaging, and the good things about being connected to a community are being burdened and strained and causing pain. Those things are not going to do the work that needs to be done. M missional engagement isn't activated by community connection. No matter what flowchart you're in or what pipeline you might get in or be told to get in, missional engagement is not activated by maturing through that process or, or 
growing in that knowledge or, or getting those credentials or, or being there for the long term or experiencing this certain experience that other people have experienced. It's activated by this obedience to this really simple and last mandate that Jesus gave. And I say simple, it doesn't mean easy. At the end of the book of Matthew, the narrative written about Jesus by that we call Matthew, that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He says, all authority has been given to me. And then he says, it's your turn. He says to his closest followers, it's your turn. You do the discipling. And do the discipling to everyone. Don't make any exclusions. Don't, don't push out and keep out the people that, that in your mind you thought ha- couldn't be a part of this. He says, display and say, do these things and, and say these things that are going to help people know what it means to live under the rule and rescue of Jesus. Help them understand what it means to be obedient to the rule and rescue of, of, of Jesus. That includes discipling other people, showing them to do the same. It's your turn, Jesus says. That's his mandate. And his mandate is motivated by a mantra. Actually, it's more than a mantra. It's not just this motivating saying that Jesus says, hey, love others as I have loved you. The the mantra that Jesus has is more than a mantra. It's an embodiment. He's embodied what it means to love. And he's embodied it towards his 12. When Jesus says, love as I have loved you, he's talking to his 12. See, anything that Jesus mandates, he embodies and he models. And so when he says, as I was sent, I send you, he's already given us this narrow relational focus, this narrow relational strategy. And he said, this is the model. This is how you can do it. Take that, that, that mandate, live more than just a mantra of love. And here's the model. Here's the strategy. I, I think it's so interesting that, that so many of us for a long time, and maybe this isn't you, but I know it's been me, that there's so many things I look towards Jesus as a model for. He's going to model how prayer goes or, or devotion devotional life. He's going to model how to care for the sick or the poor. He's going to model how to heal. He, he models our, our, our morality. He, he models different leadership styles. He, he models how to have difficult conversations. What's so interesting to me is like, here's this model of a narrow relational focus and we've all but dismissed it. And maybe it's because it's just such a big part of this deficient part, this deficiency that we've had. Just 12 is about activating this muscle in anyone and everyone who desires to follow after Jesus. And this, this muscle can be acted, activated in anyone and everyone who desires to follow after Jesus. I mean, listen, my, my hamstrings still get tight. My, my arch, this little, whatever this muscle is between my toe and my, my heel, it still hurts. It's, it just is a reminder, though, to me of how long I've gone and did go without having it activated, without strengthening it. This part of my body that's foundational to my movement, that's foundational to to the other parts of my body, that's foundational to to helping those other parts that used to compensate now do what they were made to do, to, to serve my body in the way it was made to serve. That's true for us too. When we activate this muscle, the other parts will be even more enriched, even more empowered, even more strengthened instead of burdened unnecessarily. May you and I be people who step into this mandate. May you and I be people who invite others to step into this mandate so that we could see everyone be in someone's 12.